is our last kind of um, installation on not being afraid during this time. Um, we've talked over the last three, four weeks about how we have confidence in God. God is our confidence. He never wavers. He, he wasn't caught off uh, and, and surprised when this coronavirus happened. He knew long ago that this was going to happen, but yet he is a good God. He didn't cause this to happen. And in fact, I believe that he's going to take what the enemy has meant for evil and turn it to good. And we might not see it, and we may not see it in our lifetime, but we know that God causes all things to work for good for those who love him. And we trust that he's going to turn this for good. But today, after all of this talk that we've had to kind of bring hope into your life, to bring hope into to your heart of anxiety or fear, today I want to turn that, that hope that we've been given outward back to those around us. Because we know, we have this already instilled in us. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus, we already know that the victory is ours. And we hold on to that hope. But the people around us don't know this. They don't have that hope. And so today, I want to, to take you from a state of, of fear that we've overcome, this doubt, this anxiety, this what's going to happen next, We've already crossed that barrier. We're not going to be afraid or, or allow this to control our lives. We're going to be full of joy and full of hope. I know it's, it's an everyday thing. We have to wake up and choose that. But we've got that in our hearts. Now we want to be the hope dealers. That is what we want to offer today. We're going to offer hope because we know this about fear. Fear spreads uncontrollably. Anger spreads uncontrollably. The bad things that might come against us, they spread and they affect people so rapidly. In fact, I, I would say that it's more contagious than some invisible virus that we know very little about. This anger, this, this fear, this anxiety, it's, it's run rampant in our communities across America and beyond. But here's what I also know. We have hope. And though fear and anger can spread uncontrollably like wildfire, so can hope. So can joy. So can love. These can spread just as fast or even faster because of the power of God behind them. Because the power of God is stronger than any attack of the enemy. And so today, we want to transform those around us. We want to be carriers of hope today. And so the question that I want to begin with today as we enter into our text, and if you want to in your Bible apps or if you want to follow along in your Bible in First Thessalonians, we're going to be opening up Paul's letter to the Thessalonians and, and unpack how these people who were under severe circumstances, much greater than ours even today, Though it's just as real as ours, and ours is just as real as theirs, there's no comparison here. We're on equal grounds. How, how they were hope dealers in this circumstance, and how the, the, the message of Jesus transformed them to be difference makers in their world. And so if you want to turn to that, I want to ask you this opening question. And that is, is what I'm 
carrying, worth catching? That's the question I want to, to ask that has been really, it, it's been... It's been simmering in my spirit all week. This was a, a Craig Rochelle question that I just haven't been able to let go. Is what I'm carrying worth catching? Is what I'm carrying worth catching? What's inside of me? Because here's the reality. Whatever is inside of you, whatever is prevalent inside of you, will spread to those around you. So what is it? Maybe the... The deeper question is, what is it that I'm carrying? And then once you determine what you're carrying, is it something that you want your, your children or your spouse or your coworkers or your neighbors? Is it something that you want them to catch? Because whatever it is you're carrying, it's going to spread to others. So is it worth catching? Is it worth catching? And so today I want to begin our study in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1, verse 2. And so I'll let you get to that. And if you have kids watching with you today, and maybe they're getting antsy, if you have another device on our Facebook page, I I posted uh, the curriculum series that we usually do on a Sunday morning live. They actually are offering it live at the, the campus where they film all this. And so if you want to go to our Facebook page, I have a link there that you can uh, pop up for your kids to watch. It's an excellent curriculum series, and uh, it'll be beneficial for your kids, or they can go back later and watch it as well. And so First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. And it reads... We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example for all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth, get this, everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned from God, or turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. There is so much in this passage, and and I I could sit here for hours unpacking all the intricacies of this passage. But the first thing that I wanted to highlight is the reality that these people were under severe persecution. When they turned to God from their previous life, whatever that was, following idols or some false worship, or maybe they just didn't believe in anything. 
But when they chose to believe in Jesus, they chose a life of persecution, of rejection, of potential death. And so they turned to Jesus and their faith was strong. We read that right away in the passage. Paul says, remembering before our God and Father, this is verse 3, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast hope in what? In the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came into these people, he radically changed them. We don't know the whole story. We don't know where they came from or where they were going. But we do know this. They were radically changed. And it impacted how they lived. They were no longer living for themselves. They were living in faith that God was going to protect them every step of the way. And if for some reason they were chosen to sacrifice themselves, they would do it willingly. Why? Because of what Jesus had done for them. Now, many of you know today is Palm Sunday, and this is the Holy Week. This is the week where we spend remembering what Jesus did in his final week on earth. And throughout this week, I'm going to be reading passages from the Bible depicting where Jesus was in that day, what was going on. And, and, and so I encourage you to follow along. I'll have Facebook posts on these. But, but we know that what Jesus did was radical. He lived a perfect life. He never once sinned. And these people, they understood that because Paul delivered that message of what Jesus did. All the way through his death on the cross where he was put up on the cross after being brutally beaten and just absolutely ridiculed. And all of his followers turning from him and he alone is left on the cross. And as he takes our sin, a perfect person who never sinned, he's up on the cross after all he did for all the people who followed him, the miracles the forgiveness of sins, the, the whole thing. He was so perfect and so loving. Who could reject him? And then he takes the sins of the people that crucified him. And he bore every single sin you or I or anybody there that day would ever commit. He took it on himself and the wrath of God came down upon him. Now, we don't understand the wrath of God because we've never fully, fully experienced something that painful. What Jesus experienced when he experienced the wrath of God far outweighed anything that he had received up to that point. No rejection, no beating, nothing compared to what Jesus experienced on that cross. When the wrath of God came down. What we deserved, that, that wrath that you and I deserve because we've rejected God in so many ways in our lives. One, one bad choice deserves wrath. And that's what this passage was talking about at the end. We have been saved from the wrath to come. For those people who don't receive God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ who have turned away from their lives and turned to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. Those people will receive the wrath of God. But Jesus took it so that when we believe, we don't experience that wrath. In fact, we experience the 
perfect presence of God. And so that's what these people had understood. That's what they had received. They understood that they don't, they don't get that wrath anymore. They don't get what they deserve. They get freedom for all eternity. And that good news, when they heard that, that changed them forever. They changed from being about themselves to being love givers, hope dealers. They were never the same. And so that's what this week, as I was processing this this message, I just kept coming back to the reality that if I've been truly impacted by God's love, if the gospel, this gospel that we read of in the Bible, if it's truly transformed me, then what's happened inside of me is I am not about myself anymore. My old self is, is gone. It's been put away. I have put on this new character of Christ, and now I must be what Jesus came to do, and that's be a hope dealer. That's to be a labor of love giver to those around me. So let's think about that. I mean, what did, what did Jesus do when he came? I want to read a few passages that, that depict what, what this hope did when people experienced it. We, we don't just get it in First Thessalonians where the Thessalonians, when, when they received that good news, when they received that hope of Jesus, they, they told everybody. Everybody heard about it. They shared that good news. They, they loved others who didn't deserve to be loved. We read this in, in the Gospels. Wherever Jesus went, with him came hope. In Matthew chapter 9, we read where Jesus raised the little girl from the dead. And in verse 26, we read news of this spread all through the region. Jesus, again, in Mark chapter 1, cast out an evil spirit. And in verse 28, we read news about him spread quickly over all the region of Galilee. And then lastly, in, in Acts chapter 6, God used his newly sent out apostles, his disciples, to do miracles. And in verse 7, we read, The word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Everywhere we see the good news go, we see people being impacted, lives being changed. I want to tell you today, that the good news brings hope. And the good news will far outweigh anything that the enemy throws against us. We, friends, are called to be hope dealers. But not just this generic hope. It's going to get better soon. Things will get, will turn around. Eventually there'll be some kind of vaccine against this virus. Maybe there will even be a cure for the virus. Who knows what's out there? The human mind has been able to come up with amazing things because God has given us the power to do so. But that is such minute good news. That's just trivial hope. That's for today. But what about those inner things that we struggle with? There's always going to be something that, that brings us fear or brings us anger or insecurity, 
whatever you have inside of you that you deal with, we all have something. We all have these things that we are fighting with. And, and just hope for hope's sake doesn't cut it. The good news is what delivers the hope that you need and what this world needs. The good news that Jesus came and he has forgiven us our sins so that we don't have to experience this wrath that is talked about in the Bible, that we can experience God's presence for all of eternity, that we can have relationship with him, we can be connected with him. That is the good news that this world needs. Yes, if there was some kind of cure for this virus, we would all rejoice. We'd all be thankful. We could go back to life as normal. I could have you all sitting in the chairs again, and I wouldn't have to be looking at a camera. I could be looking at faces, and that's what I so want to do. We could have not just this connection on, on Zoom after church. We can have connection by giving hugs and high fives and get to talk face to face. We can again have lunches after church. We can again have family services. We can have youth group again. We can have kids ministry again. But as, as much as that would be amazing, it doesn't answer the hope that we really need. That we are saved. We're saved from the result of our sin. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. To bring good news. Because that's what changed about the Thessalonians. They allowed the good news to come in and it changed them. And everywhere they went, they didn't talk about how their world is a better place. They talked about how their hope in Jesus gives them eternal life. It gives them a chance to know God and to be known by God. And we read this massive story that we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Now I want to read that for you. This is in the book of Matthew. And I will get the right chapter, chapter 21, verse 1. If you want to turn to Matthew 21, verse 1. Listen through the eyes of what Jesus bring to Jerusalem this day. As he rode in on this pitiful poor animal. We read in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed 
is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he went, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? The crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Why were people willing to cut branches and throw them down? Why were they willing to allow a dirty donkey's hooves to walk over their cloaks and potentially wreck them? Why? Because Jesus brought hope. Jesus brought more than just this relief from the government that was just pouring down all these restrictions on them or the religious, the the seas as we call them that were there and, and putting all these laws on them that they could not follow. It was because Jesus offered hope from the wrath of God. Every year they would have to bring these spotless lambs to offer as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins. But they knew, everybody knew that those lambs could never take away the guilt inside, could never take away what was coming to them, the wrath of God. Only a Savior, a perfect Savior who would come and die for them once and for all could give them that hope. That is the hope that they would be willing to lay their life down for if it came to it. And though it took them, some of them, many years to finally figure it out and with the power of the Holy Spirit to help them, eventually many of them would lay down their lives. Why would somebody lay down their life for someone who died? Because they knew that this truly was the Savior of their sins. The one who would keep them from experiencing separation from God for all of eternity, where it would be nothing but wrath, nothing but pain. You see, Jesus justified all the things that we've done wrong. God is a just God. He makes all things right. And Jesus made all things right for you and for me. And that's what we need to offer this world. You see, the Thessalonians came and they worked out their faith every day. They sent it through labor of love and they delivered the hope of Jesus wherever they went. And so the question we have to ask again is what I'm carrying, is it worth catching? Is it worth catching? People in this world are scared. It's for for good reason. And this, this, this fear, this anger, this anxiety is spreading everywhere. People are getting short-tempered. Things are happening that only happens in times of, of chaos. But here's what I know. Though that is spreading and it's rampant, what you have inside of you, what we have inside of us as a church is the hope of Jesus. So what are we going to allow to rise up in this season? For me, I have a decision every day. I don't live in in fear. I don't live in anxiety, but I live in insecurity. I live in doubt. I've had to face this myself this week. I've had to ask myself, am I willing to lead? Am I willing to do the things that I don't know if I'm capable of doing? I may be a pastor, but I have a lot of things that I deal with just like anybody else, just like you watching today. And I need to face my insecurities and I have to allow the Holy Spirit to overcome them in my life. It's not something that I just wake up and it's magically gone. I have to fight daily to overcome these things in my life. And you have to as well. But it's worth it. The gospel is worth it. 
we have to wake up and die to those feelings inside and allow God to waken us from within. He has changed us. He has made us new. And so will we be faith spreaders? Will we be love givers? Will we be hope dealers? Will we be gospel dealers? I love how A.B. Simpson put it. He says powerfully, all that God requires of us is an opportunity to show what he can do. Will you allow him to show what he can do? You know, the passage or the, the statement, I suppose, that everybody always says, in our weakness, he is strong. That is so true. But my weakness is hard to face. And I'm pretty confident everybody who's listening today can say the same thing. My weakness is hard to overcome. If it wasn't a weakness, I would have conquered it many years ago. I wouldn't be dealing with insecurity in my life today if I could do it on my own. Or if God just magically would come in and poof, make it disappear, right? Like that's not how it works. It's a daily sacrifice of myself. I will pick up my cross and I will say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. And this is really hard and I have no idea how to overcome it. I've had 30 some odd years of doing the same thing every day. How do I change it? I don't. But with the power of God, I do. And so today, I don't know what you are carrying. I don't know what that thing is for you. I could list off a whole bunch of different things that people struggle with. Everything from fear to anger to insecurity and beyond. We struggle independently with things in our lives. There is nothing new under the sun, but as many issues that we could deal with, there are people in this world. We all have our own things. And so today, what I'm asking for you to do is to say, I want to be part of the prescription, not the disease. I don't want to be going around offering more deadly things in this world. I want to be offering the solution. And though I'm not perfect, and though I will fight for the rest of my life to get past these insecurities in my own life, I want to do it with confidence that God is with me. That He will never, never leave me. He'll never leave me powerless. He will go with me. And as much as I press into Him, He will carry me with Him. And so today, will you pick up your cross? Will you follow Him? Will you allow Him to carry you sometimes and your cross? You'll have moments like that. That's okay. You're not going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be, I did an awesome day today. You're going to fall. He's going to pick you up. He's going to carry you. He's going to put you back on your feet. And the next day, you're going to wake up and you're going to pick up your cross and you're going to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a difference maker. I'm going to be a part of the prescription. I'm not going to be part of the disease. I'm going to make a difference. So that is my prayer for you. Give God the opportunity to do what he can do. See what happens. 
over the course of this week, like I said, we're going to be going through the life of Jesus. We started today with Palm Sunday in the celebration of the people. And we're going to see how that celebration turns so quickly to the ugly. But yet, Jesus, in the end, as we will see on Sunday morning, conquered it all for you and for me. And that's who's on your side. That is who's on your side today. So this week, follow along with us as we read. I'll post the passages that I'm reading on the, on the Facebook page, and you can follow along on the videos as well. But dig in and see what Jesus has done for you. And may that transform you again for the first time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us broken people to be your hands and your feet. Thank you that you have given us the hope of eternal life, that we can be connected with you. And so, Father, as we go into this next week, Father, we trust that, Father, you will give us the courage we need to face those things that we are carrying that you don't want us to carry. You have given us the freedom to live lives fully to your beautiful glory. And so, Father, we just pray that, that you will continue to strengthen us, to give us this, the, the abilities, Father, to break free from these things that have held on in our lives for maybe years, Father. Because with you, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. So thank you for this time. And I thank you for those who can join us in this Zoom meeting in just a few moments, Father. May this be just an encouraging time, Father, of being connected again and praying for one another and encouraging one another as we go through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will see you next week on Resurrection Easter Sunday. Amen.